This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now the war in Ukraine is in its seventh month. Russia's invasion on February 24th was expected to yield a quick victory. It was hoped by the Russians that they would take Kiev, the capital, and also that they would take Vladimir Zelensky, the president, and install a p- puppet government and that it would all be over in a few weeks. It hasn't turned out to be that. It has turned out, though, to be the biggest story in Europe since the Second World War. It has changed the way we see the world. It has caused immense hardship for the Ukrainian people, millions of whom are displaced, many of whom, millions again, who have seen their homes destroyed. There have been war crimes. They are well documented. And, of course, it has triggered an energy crisis in Europe. And it also has reminded us that with the support of China and also India, Vladimir Putin is not alone. And there are people now who want to change the world that we live in. I have taken uh, some trouble to outline all of these facts because we have, um, we're lucky to have today, the chance to interview Johnny O'Reilly, who is a journalist and a filmmaker and is uh, in the process of, and has been for, for since the beginning of looking at this war, seeing what has happened and documenting it. Johnny is in Kiev. Uh, Johnny, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the stand. You've just come back from a war zone, really, uh, being on the front line and being with Ukrainian troops your bravery is commendable. I know you are in the process of making a, a documentary. Can we start, Johnny, by asking you about my contention at the beginning of this interview in the intro that it was the Russians' expectation that this would be done and dusted real quickly? Yes, that is um, the uh, kind of intelligence analysis from the Americans who uh, have been listening to communications, uh, you know, ha- top brass communications within Russia, that their expectation was uh, for uh, 
things to be knocked off fairly quickly in Kiev. And certainly when you analyze the amount of military resources that they put at the spearhead towards Kiev, uh, that would certainly support that notion. In, in the early days of the, uh, the first three days of the, um, war, I remember being in the city center of Kiev and on day two hearing that there were shots being fired around the government buildings only about 500 meters from where I lived. Um, it subsequently transpired about two months later. Uh, Zelensky uh, finally revealed what happened on that day. And yes, there was a, a special forces unit, uh, uh, apparently they're Chechens, who were sent to um, impregnate the yes. fortress of the, of, the, of, of the city. And they were supposed to be uh, supported by tank regiments who had already reached on day three, the outskirts of the city. That was the time in which I left the city because it was a very dynamic situation and no one knew what, what was happening. You know, are we going to get surrounded? Is it all going to happen? So by day four, day five, the situation became clearer and it became a bit more obvious that if they were to take the city, it wouldn't be immediate, it wouldn't be overnight. But in the first three days, that's, you know, you, you, no one knew what may happen. The Chechens are renowned, if that's the right word, for their savage ability to fight. And they have been deployed in other parts of this war, haven't they? In other regions of Ukraine. They have, yeah. Um, wh one thing I think that's important about remembering, uh, uh, to remember about this war is that it is still a hybrid war. You know, we used to think of a hybrid war uh, as this thing that wasn't a real war. You know, that yeah. it was more of a, a war of information and threats. But this is a, a real war uh, inside a hybrid war, if you like. So propaganda is the um, spearhead of yeah. the whole war movement. And uh, that's very much the case with the Chechens as well. Uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, who's the president of the Chechen Republic, is, uh, you know, a propagandist just like Putin and uh, spends a, a lot of his time promoting the valor and the history of, war, you know, w w warrior culture in um, Chechnya. And that is translated into... Um, what appears to be a lot of propaganda, even on the Chechen front. Ukrainian troops like to joke that the Chechens are the TikTok army <laughs> because they, they deploy so many of these pristine, cleanly, you know, uh, attired soldiers with all the t right gear, uh, but fighting in a zone where there's no real fighting. Yeah. So the, the, the counterclaim to, to, to the suggestion that they're the top uh, brass is that a lot of Chechens are, are, are not actually given the, the, the most important forward points in, um, in, in, in the formations and perhaps they, like the other ethnic minorities in, within the Russian uh, army, are given the most suicidal missions, including that mission that I mentioned earlier on yes. to, uh, to, to, you know, to paratroop into the city center of Kiev, where uh, 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 apparently very few of them survived that, um, uh, that mission. Now, you've been in Kherson or Herson, which is the second city, I think, in Ukraine, but I'm not sure about that. But what I am sure of 
is that it was the first city the Russians took, and it is it has its own importance and significance. And now I understand the Ukrainians are fighting back to retake the city. Is that correct? And you were there, weren't you, in that area? I was in the area, not in the city, which is and has been under occupation since day five of the war. Kherson's a city of about 300,000 people. It's very, it's about 70 or 80 miles from Crimea. So on the first day of the war, uh, the Russians reached the bridge linking uh, the, the, the east part of that uh, southern landmass to the city. And uh, there was a four-day war over that very important bridge before the city was taken by the Russians. And it was the first city to be fully occupied by the Russians. And unlike Mariupol, it wasn't destroyed in the process. So for the last six months, you've had, you know, uh, 150 or 200,000 people living there under Russian occupation. And it's very interesting what's happening there and in other towns like Melitopol and Berdyansk, where the Russians have basically come in, taken control, and uh, started filtration um, processes where basically they, you know, stop people on the streets, demand to, to, you know, demand a few questions. And if they have any, you know, if they're suspicious of anything, off they go to some kind of a, you know, filtration camp or jail where they they are, you know, severely interrogated. And uh, if they, if there remain suspicions that they are um, patriotic Ukrainians or, you know, obviously yes. worse that they're a member of the armed Ukrainian armed forces or police, they can be, um, you know, kidnapped, taken away or, or worse. So this is the kind of pile of fear under which everyone has been living in, in that city. But also there's been something even more sinister and more kind of interesting, crazy, I guess. Um, and that is that people who are Ukrainian patriotic or even agnostic, um, are compelled to, you know, wear the, the, the George ribbon, which is this kind of brown and black ribbon in, in signifying your kind of, um, uh, you know, Russian loyalties. Yes. Um, and to display these loyalties wherever they are. Um, but part of the reason for that, part of the reason that the, uh, Russian administration, these cities demand that is because, um, not only do they want people to turn over to the Russian side, but they also want, um, within the Ukrainians, um, for them to mistrust each other yes. about their true yes. intentions. So I have spent the last few months living half the time with, uh, Kherson soldiers who are now in Ukrainian territory, filming them for a documentary. And, uh, all, they're all in touch directly, but you know, on a daily basis with their loved ones in the city. Um, and relaying stories about what the city was happening in the city to me, but th- that that that's you know a, a, a lot of people now mistrust their neighbours because they don't know yeah. who's telling on whom. And the, uh, some of the people who I've met are partisans who have been operating an, an IRA style bombing campaign targeting Russian soldiers, and some of them have escaped and spoken to me. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I've heard all about w- what happens when they get arrested and tortured. Um, and what, what the Russians are, are, are doing essentially is they're turning the Ukrainians against each other because no one really knows who has told what once they're arrested. Yes. You know, if, if they're arrested and killed, they know that they didn't say anything. Yes. If they're arrested and released, there's a pile of suspicion over them as to, well, uh, why are they released? What did they say? What did they reveal? Um, so all, all these kind of things are happening in the, in the occupied territories. And it's, um, you know, w- one of the reasons why, um, you know, Ukraine doesn't want to live or under Russian rule. Will it be significant if Kherson falls to the Ukraine forces? Which we, which I, we're told in reports that we're receiving that that is a possibility or even a probability. Yes, it'll be very significant. Um, what, what's happened in the last 24 hours, actually on Sunday night, was uh, uh, the, the largest mechanized infantry uh, battle formation in, 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 on the Ukrainian side that is yet to move forward. So, uh, since Sunday night, before Sunday night, the only uh, kind of battle size formations that uh, the Ukrainians put together were very much at a battalion size or a company size. You know, a, a battalion is about six or eight hundred people, but this is a brigade. It's a brigade size uh, endeavor. So, you're talking about six thousand troops and um, split across three different uh, directions. Uh, north of Kherson and then um, northwest of Kherson and then just kind of north-northwest of Kherson. So in three kind of areas, they've broken through in uh, one of the lines and it's hard to get information now so fresh after it happens. Of but course. it's certainly a, a, a very big turning point. Um, uh, the high Mars, which, is, which are these uh, very precise, very mobile, um, kind of truck mounted air to, you know, ground to ground missiles that the Americans have been supplying the Ukrainians have been a real game changer on the ground. Yes. For the last uh, two months, they've been used to target high value targets behind enemy lines, including ammunition dumps, um, kind of aerodromes. And, uh, you know, army headquarters. But on Sunday night, it, it, it's been confirmed that uh, HIMARS w- w- were used for the first time in a battle formation to target um, uh, Russian troops in, in a field, basically, in a dynamic battle. So it, it is a change in the, in, in the whole dynamic of the war. And, uh, you know, over the coming days, we'll get to see how successful it's been. Uh, but certainly the, the, it's, the momentum is now with Ukraine and whether the Russians can stop it. But to your, to your question, uh, yes, Kherson will be symbolically very important. Um, and if it is retaken quickly and with ease, then that will have an even bigger, uh, impact. In the calculations of the, uh, Russian military planners. Yes. But in terms of the map, if you look at, uh, the, the position of Kherson, uh, 
it, right beside Kherson is the Dnieper River, which separates all of the little giant swathe of Russian-controlled territory in the east, and then the small bit of uh, Russian-controlled territory on the west part of that river. So, you know, any you don't even need to be a military analyst to know that it will be very hard for Russia to uh, retain that land on the far side of the river. So if they give up Kherson city and the surrounding oblast, um, they can still fairly effectively uh, protect the rest of what they have taken on the other side of the river and uh, possibly... Um, you know, you know, try and blow up, try and do to Kherson what they did to Mariupol just yes. from their protected position on the far side of the river. But, uh, it will be a huge symbolic blow and, uh, could have, uh, an impact on, uh, other areas of the, uh, front, especially if the use of HIMARS in close contact, uh, military warfare um can send the shudders down the rest of the uh what appears to be reluctantly fighting russian troops so we'll see what happens yes and uh, the the weaponry sent to uh, ukraine by the americans the british and other nations has been hugely important in enabling them to fight when it hasn't been sent or there's been a shortage of it it has had a game-changing effect in a negative way for Ukraine. There is another question I'd like to ask you, Johnny, about Crimea. Crimea is a peninsula. The Russians took it in 2014. Kherson is, a, is quite close to it, I think. And now we see Ukrainian attacks, and successful ones apparently, on Russian troops in Crimea. That would be really audacious on the part of Zelensky because he would be endeavoring, if I have my facts right, to take back something they didn't even fight for in 2014 that the Russians held at the beginning of this and appeared to hold it forever. Yeah, the, the, the retaking of um, the Crimea is a stated goal of the Ukrainian um, army and the Ukrainian government. And uh, Zelensky has not backed down from that intention. But my guess is that um, this is still a collaboration between the Ukrainian government and uh, the American government in particular, but other Western powers too. And uh, I don't think they would um, support the retaking right. of Crimea. Yep. But certainly the threat of retaking Crimea can give uh, the Ukrainians a stronger position at, at any uh, negotiation table if it comes to it. But we're quite far from that point. And, you know, you can be sure that there's going to be a different level of um, defense capability uh, along a line separating Crimea and, and the north than there is, say, separating, the, you know, Kherson and uh, the rest of Russian-occupied territory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let me ask you about the disposition of the Ukrainian people, as you've observed it, Johnny. Their defiance, their courage, their stoicism almost in the face of savage artillery attacks. You mentioned Mariupol there and the savage and prolonged destruction of that city. And yet in the steelworks there, a cohort of Ukrainian soldiers and citizens stayed there for months defying the Russians. How important to that defiance has been the leadership of Vladimir Zelensky? I think it's been hugely important because <laughs> Zelensky, I, I believe, is just the right leader at the right time. He uh, w- was not popular before the war. That's right, 20%, I believe. Only. 20, 20%. <laughs> I think you told he, me that. Yeah, and he wasn't even considered, I, I would have thought, by his peers internationally as um, a safe pair of hands to manage something as, as daunting as this. But it turns out that this the act the skill of an actor is is what's required at this important moment because Ukraine has very strong uh, military leaders who are very integrated into um, NATO structures in terms of communication and training and planning. Um, and sometimes you want a leader that does not interfere with that in the yeah. way certainly that Putin has in his own military affairs. Um, and so for Zelensky to be able to just focus on media, if you like, on yes. speeches, on creating the right tone, on finding the right words, rather than, you know, uh, you know, uh, civilian time, sorry, a non-wartime uh, leader needs to be a, a, a logistics manager, a manager of uh, detail. Um, so it kind of suits him and he's excelled at it. If you think about what he has achieved, yes. he's brought the world together. It, the first time in Ukraine's history, which has been fighting 
um, th th these kind of wars for centuries against major uh, regional powers. Um, that's why the country is called Ukraine on the edge. It's on the edge of a variety of different yes. um, regional uh, empires and always has been. But the country has um, uh, he, he's achieved a lot for the country in terms of bringing, for the first time ever, the international uh, community to uh, to into an alliance with Ukraine against Russia. He's also achieved an expedited path towards EU accession. Yes, um, he has kept the economy going. Like people and and yourself, very uh, kindly have been, you know saying how brave I am. Uh, Eamon, I spend my time sitting in cafes and chilling out, you know, when I'm not working. <laughs> this, like, this is very normal in Kiev. You know, you look around here, and it, it, to your point about Ukrainian defiance, the economy is working, the, uh, the bars and restaurants are open. You wouldn't think there's a war on here. Anywhere right. other than the front lines. Yes. Um, except that everything closes early, like at around 10 or 11 because of the uh, curfew. So he, he's just achieved a lot given the circumstances. Yeah. So I think people have recognized that and uh, his his rule is, is very solid. And that's a, a good thing for their military campaign. Now, I just want to ask you a few more things, Johnny. One is about Zaporizhia. This is where the nuclear facility is. It's been, as I understand it, it's always been run on a day-to-day -day basis by Ukrainians, the Russians uh, have a presence there, but it was working okay. And now there's fighting around and shelling around the facility. And many people, including uh, international observers who know about the dangers of a nuclear leak or explosion, are worried about this area. What is the situation there as insofar as you know it? Johnny, I know you've been in another part of the country, but I just wondered, uh, are people's fears about the possibility that the Russians will do something really stupid or dumb, is that real? Well, I guess it's possible, um, but this seems to be more a uh, part of Putin's playbook yeah. to uh, create these threats, to uh, encourage panic, and to give him a stronger hand in any possible negotiations. Now, I think, again, he's overplaying his hand with this. Most people don't expect him to blow up the nuclear facilities. And you can't really plan for that. You can't, you can't decide, okay, we're going to give him everything he wants because he may blow up this nuclear facility. I mean, that's an act of suicide for himself or yes. his own soldiers, many of whom are surrounding that place, as well as the locals in the region. So, the assumption is that he won't do that and he's just kind of playing with fire in order to gain um, some advantage. Right. And, and he has claimed that, he, 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 he has said that he wants the IAEA, the International Atomic uh, Organization, to uh, come in and inspect the place. So m m I think that he is just playing for time, playing for advantage. Um, he is engaging with the international authorities on this. They will go in, and in fact, a, a team of IAEA 
officials just arrived in the country uh, two days ago. Right. So they're going to make their way over there and um, the, there will be some kind of um, agreement, I believe, about w- what happens I- in that zone. I think Putin is just placing these um, systems of communications, if you like, in place so that when it comes to a negotiated settlement, he has his, uh, you know, his finger in a few different pies. It's the same story, I think, with the provision of grain. He already has a, 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 um, a path towards resolving that issue yes. via Turkey. Um, so I think it's just about having the paths of communication that he feels he has control over. Um, and, and will deploy them to his own advantage when needed. So that's my guess. But, you know, and anything can happen if and when he gets cornered and he looks yeah. like he may be losing things. So that's when things could be, become dramatic. But we're not at that point yet. Just a final question, Johnny. I heard a very interesting interview you did for The Currency, which uh, is an online um, newspaper here, a very highly regarded one with Dion Fanning. And you talked to Dion about Putin's own position domestically and how solid or not it may be. Two questions and then we'll let you go. One is this appears from where we're sitting to be set for a long winter and a long war that will, that isn't going to end anytime soon. And secondly, in that, that being the case, how secure is Putin? Because there was this car bomb in Moscow last week where Daria Dugina, the daughter of uh, one of the ideologues who support Putin, uh, she was a television personality, we understand. She was blown up in a car and, and, and murdered. And there's some suggestion from some people that that may have not been Ukrainians, as Putin suggested, but it might have been people who were not well disposed towards Putin in Russia. Well, my own contention is that Putin's uh, position is not strong. It's not secure. Uh, we, we tend to look at Russia, certainly from um, our own perspective, if you like. We just imagine a country like ours with a strong leader at the top of it. But in fact, what, what we are used to in the West are institutions that are strong, our democracy that is strong. Um, I mean, you know, American democracy has withstood uh, Trump, for example, um, so Russia in comparison is like so a house. far, I put in so I, far, so far. <laughs> in okay. brackets. Yeah. Sorry, um, but you know, Russia is like a house of cards. It's, it, 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 it requires the control of all the media in order to project strength because the strength is not there institutionally. Yeah. The strength is almost symbolic. It's an illusion in a sense. And the illusion is his personal power, his personal integrity as it is presented in the Russian media. Now, my, my contention is that if and when he goes, it's going to be extremely swift and everyone is going to be surprised at how quickly it is. But that's right. because, you know, the system is a house of cards. The, 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 the loyalties which bind the people to Putin are not ideological. Yeah. They are uh, more like a mafia system whereby 
the boss is the, still the strongest guy. And uh, as soon as he appears weak, people will flee. They will move away from him. They will, you know, look for some yep. other um, uh, potential leader to, 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 to take place. So, you know, his personal and political fate is very much wedded to now to the fate of his military campaign in Ukraine. So if his military campaign falters or collapses, which could well be the case given uh, the, the state of the Russian military, um, I suspect he will be ousted very quickly. But that's, you know, n- no one knows anything with, with any surety, yes. you know, but that's just my feeling about it. That's what I think will happen. Okay, Johnny, we really appreciate you for talking to us from Kiev. Johnny O'Reilly is a journalist and a filmmaker, and he is making a documentary and has been to some dangerous places. Uh, we salute your courage, Johnny. Thank you very much for joining us on The Stand. Thanks to all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.